Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. It's December 1999. Westlife have taken the festive number one and the millennium bugs in the news. Alison's getting ready for her third Christmas in five years with her boyfriend Mark, the guy from Birkenhead with the scraggy ponytail. He's estranged from his family, so he likes spending Christmas with her. They have a routine on Christmas Day. Presents in the morning and then lunch at Alison's mum's. But before the day even arrives, it all goes wrong. Mark gets an emergency call. His grandfather has a sudden stroke. He gets called away on his pager to go back up north. Our Christmas is ruined. So it's all He's back in Hackney for New Year, and they go to Alison's brothers to see in the millennium. But by this point, and Alison remembers this clearly, something has changed in Mark. He comes back a different man. He comes back very depressed. As January turns to February, his temper worsens. He's very withdrawn and he's, he's working harder. He goes to work earlier, he comes back later. He tells me he's got a new job in Luton. So he's, he'll be home late, he tells me, and he is. He doesn't get back till about half nine every night. Alison's so concerned she brings it up at couples therapy. The counsellor said he should go and see his doctor for depression, that he needs some proper support. By March, the situation's dire. He was depressed and he was tired and, you know, just very low and not like him at all. So Alison tries to organise a surprise for his birthday to cheer him up, but he's not having it. And he told me not to waste my money on him. Then one day, in late March, she comes home from work and she can't believe what she finds. There was a letter on the kitchen table. She knows what's happened. She can sense it. I realised immediately that he'd gone. And it looks like he's gone for good. He's cleared out the flat. There's nothing left behind. Everything's gone. Every trace of him has gone. I'm Cara McGugan, and this is Bed of Lies. Episode 3, Breakdown. After a breakup, we all go back and think, when did it start to fall apart? You pour over the events from the weeks and months leading up to it, wondering what's changed. Did I do something, or was it them? What were the signs that it was going wrong? 
Most breakups leave unanswered questions. But what's happened to Alison is on another level entirely. In the spring of 2000, just as Mark leaves Alison, Rosa and Jim are also going through a rough patch. It's the first time in our story that the timelines overlap. Rosa and Jim are in Reclaim the Streets, and he likes her cooking. Well, they've known each other about a year, and they're living together. But he's become really depressed. And I watched him in floods of tears. He'd be, like, sobbing on me and saying, I don't know what to do, I feel like I'm coming apart. In the May, he suddenly announced that he was going to have to go away and he had to sort his head out. Rose is devastated. Can't they work it out together? It's painful that he wants to go away on his own, but she thinks maybe he just needs space to deal with his trauma, you know, about being adopted. It doesn't mean they're breaking up. In fact, he says he'll go and then come back and they can settle down together in Wales. I just believe that, you know, if you love someone, ultimately, if you love someone, set them free. She needs some time to reflect, so she goes to visit a friend in Cyprus. I was an awful guest because I was just in... I was distracted, I didn't know what was going on, I just wanted to swim in the sea and, you know, lose myself in oblivion in the water. Um, I used to think about swimming off and not coming back, just keeping on swimming. And then one day, out of the blue, Rosa gets a call. He called me from Turkey in absolute floods of tears, very erratic, very unstable, saying that he'd fucked everything up. She's upset with him, of course she is, but she tells him it doesn't matter, everything will be okay. She loves him, and he's incredibly grateful, and he says he'll call again and send her a postcard. The phone call never came, and the postcard never came. Now it's her turn to cry. Her boyfriend's vanished. She's no way of getting in touch with him, or finding out if he's okay. And she's left wondering, where could he be? Guess what? That's exactly the question Lindsay's asking when her boyfriend Carlo, the Italian, goes missing. He's the one who took her to Venice and declared his love for her there. In the months since, they've been inseparable. Then, one weekend, he does something really out of character. He ignores her calls for days. It's so unlike him. To not be able to reach him was unusual. It gets to Sunday evening and Lindsay's worried. She needs to find out what's happening. So even though it's the middle of the night and the tube isn't running, it doesn't stop her. So I took his keys. She gets on a night bus. And I went over to, to his flat in North London to find him. Where were you travelling from? I was travelling from South East London, so it was a fair old trek. It wasn't just five minutes down the road. I remember having this really hopeful feeling that I'd find him in the flat with a plausible explanation, you know, put my mind at rest. Because, you know, I remember this terrible anxiety. But what she finds only makes her more anxious. His car wasn't there. 
and his flat was locked. It was deadlocked, so I wasn't able to get in. Did you think he was in the flat when it was deadlocked? No, no, he obviously wasn't there. There was no, there were no lights, uh, and his car wasn't there, so I knew he was out. I rang his phone, and it rang. Instead of just being off, it rang, but he didn't answer. And then I rang back, and it was off again. And so she gets back on the night bus. There's no other option. And she cries all the way home, tears streaming down her cheeks as she asks herself, just like Rosa did earlier, where is he? Lindsay thinks she's been ghosted. You know, that her partner has disappeared because he's too scared to end it. That would be all too simple. Now, I want to return to Alison. When we left her at the beginning of this episode, she'd come home from work to an empty house. Mark's gone, and he's left a letter on the table. I can tell you the gist of the letter. Are you able to read just, like, a line or two? Well, I can remember a couple of lines, yeah. Um, When I said I loved you, I meant it. Um, And there was never anybody else. And he was saying, you know, we want different things, and... um, I've got to go. And And my phone's on. He was going to Germany, to Berlin. It's like a punch to the gut. Alison looks all over the house for signs of him, but the wardrobe's empty, his guitar isn't there, even his tools are gone. He's moved all his things out. And what strikes her in that moment is how neatly he's done it. Yeah, immaculately. Yeah, really, really carefully, and so you wouldn't have known. He's even taken his nice suit from the spare bedroom. Yeah, that had gone. And the the hoover was in front of the wardrobe and it was all put back perfectly. He's taken his passport and the copies they made for their last holiday. And he's even taken one of Alison's videos and two of her diaries. I phoned him and was hysterical and begged him to come back. Days later, Mark returns. He's got a green army kit bag, but he doesn't have his tools or his guitar. It's more like he's visiting than moving back in. What was it like when he walked back in the door, having disappeared and then come back on that Saturday? Well, he just seemed very low and very, you know, miserable, and he was very edgy and not himself at all, hunched shoulders, looking down at his feet a lot. I I think I've probably blocked a lot of that out. I can't, do you know what I mean? It, it was so, it was all a blur. It was all a really fuzzy, crying blur. It's strange at first, but things slowly improve and she persuades him to stay. But just over a week later, Alison comes home from work and there's another letter on the table. In this one... He's saying, you can't do this. I can't, I really, tr- I try, you know, and, I, and also I'm making you unhappy and I need to get away. I thought of myself as an automaton and I'm not, and I, you know, my past has caught up with me. But these aren't normal breakups. Rosa and Alison want answers, but their boyfriends aren't picking up the phone. And what's more, they can't find them anywhere. He moved in my life from someone who was very concrete and very present. In the kitchen, and I've covered, I think, 
to a ghost. Nothing made sense. I need to find you. I've got stuff to say. I need to speak. Very unstable. You can't. You can't just disappear. That doesn't happen. Fuck you. What's wrong? In, in anger, where you are, and are you okay? What if he's and really in trouble? Why? What's going on? I don't even know who you are. So they both, separately, start to hunt for their missing partners. I didn't know at the time, but that was the beginning of the full Miss Marple. We're going to join them on the search. Your boyfriend's vanished without a trace. Where do you start looking for them? Number one, their family. But as you might recall from the last episode, these men are estranged from their families. Rosa and Alison, they've never met their relatives, but that doesn't stop them. So that's when I started looking for his... Just some contacts for, you know... In my the first place she anything, goes just... is her address book. She knows she has a number for Mark's grandfather in there. She's sure of it, the one who had a stroke just before Christmas. And that was scrubbed out, which I found weird. That is like somebody really doesn't want to follow you. Mark's meticulous clear-out even included scrubbing out the contacts in her address book. That's pretty odd. And Rosa, she's facing a similar problem. I wrote a letter to his brother just saying, I hate to in intrude on his privacy. I know he's a really private person, but please, if something happens, could you just let me know, please? Because I'm worried that no-one will know to contact me. She doesn't have his brother's address, but she does remember one useful thing. I knew the road that his parents lived on in Cornwall. His adoptive parents, that is. I'd even had a drink in the pub at the end of their road. So she decides to send the letter there. But when she looks up the address, there's no record of it. I couldn't find his parents in the village. I couldn't find his parents in that part of Cornwall. I couldn't find his parents in the entirety of Cornwall. I couldn't find his brother's travel agency business. Jim and Mark's families are nowhere to be seen. So where do you go next? Number two, workplace. I remembered his boss's name and I remembered the name of his workplace. So I asked Jeeves. Do you remember Ask Jeeves? Yes. So the search engine of the time. And that gave me Terry Upperdine's workplace, Manor Works, and phone number. And I phoned Terry and asked about Mark. But Terry doesn't know where Mark is, and he says some things that make Alison suspicious. It was different from the story Mark had told me. He didn't know where he was, he'd given him the van. I said, but didn't you, weren't you put in contact with him from a contact up north when he came down to London? No. It was very vague, but it was clearly not the story that I'd been told exactly. I wanted to know where he was. I wanted to find him. I wanted to just find him. But as I was doing that, I started to think, well, it's not really quite adding up. It doesn't quite... The, particularly the story about his workplace didn't add up. There's a lot that doesn't quite add up, but Alison keeps pulling at the threads. Where would you go next? Number three, the authorities. Now, this might sound a bit extreme. Your first port of call after a breakup isn't usually a foreign embassy. But Rosa hasn't heard from Jim since he called from Turkey. She fears he could be in real danger, so she thinks, I'll call the Foreign Office. 
She tells them... Look, I know this is going to sound silly. It's really not a problem. He's obviously fine. But, um... Can you put my mind at rest? <laughs> Just... I, no one will know to let me know if... if something's happened to him. She's being very British about it. But really, she's angry he's left her and worried about his safety. And I think when you love somebody, it's very hard to turn off that concern of, yeah, but what if he's in trouble? What if I am the only person who knows? The Foreign Office instigates a missing person search in Istanbul. And I was like, well, you think it's that serious? They said, we, we take missing British nationals very seriously. But Jim doesn't show up anywhere. And Rosa searches in all the places she can think of. She rings his university and finds they have no record of his name or of a Jim Sutton having ever studied there. And there's more. She looks at council tax records, but she can't find his name or any evidence of his family. You name it, I was sifting, 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 because ultimately someone said to me, this, this could take your sanity. The not knowing could take your sanity. And with every new lead, her mind is racing. I had a million different possibilities running at all times. What if he's been involved in international drug smuggling and has turned Queen's evidence and he's trying to protect me? Or what if he's really in trouble? And I think when But you... one day, after months of silence, a flicker of hope, Jim writes to Rosa. He says he's at risk. That he's not coping, that he's deeply in love with me, that he doesn't know what to do and that he's always been the spirit I knew and that he's trapped in something very bad. He can't tell me what. And I mustn't use the phone because it's not safe. I mustn't talk to anybody about it, otherwise he can't risk speaking to me. It's not clear what he's caught up in, but one thing Rosa is certain about is his travel plan. He told her he's going to hitchhike from Turkey to South Africa and when he gets there, he's going to work on a friend's vineyard in Stellenbosch. That brings us to number four. Follow the clues. And the first clue Rosa has is South Africa. And she flies across the world to Cape Town. Little does she know she won't be back for three months. More on that after this short break. Hi, my name's Theodora Leloudis. I'm the podcast editor at The Telegraph, which really means I spend a lot of time talking to myself in padded studios and with large headphones on, listening to hours and hours of audio. But it also means that I get to commission podcasts like this one and to give a powerful platform to those people whose stories need to be told, just like the amazing women you're hearing from on Bed of Lies. But doing justice to important stories, as I hope we've done on this podcast, takes time and it takes a skilled team. And that's where our subscribers come in. Without their contribution, we wouldn't have been able to make this show. So if you'd like to support what we're doing and to get unlimited access to the huge range of quality journalism on politics, sport, business, culture and much, much more, head to telegraph.co.uk slash lies podcast, where you can get your first 30 days access to The Telegraph online completely free. And after that, it's just £2 a week. That's telegraph.co.uk slash lies podcast or click on the link in the show notes to this episode. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Rosa arrives in Cape Town and she does have some leads, like the names of people. Jim could be staying with. She also has a photo of him. She walks around asking, has anyone seen this man? Yeah, we just looked at each other and it was like, yeah, it's not the same person. When you hear her talking, it sounds like something out of a Jason Bourne movie. You know, you really want to watch yourself. And I said, you think I could get shot? And she drives herself to distraction over it. I went down with shingles from the strain of it, but on the... But you have to remember, in her situation... She feels like she has to follow every lead. I needed to know what earth was going on and I needed agency. While she's in South Africa, Rose is still getting these cryptic emails from Jim and she's mining them for details. By this point, she's honed her detective skills and after months out there, she manages to track the IP address of one of his emails and she can't believe what she sees. It's from 6,000 miles away. In England. That's when she realises his betrayal's far worse than anything she'd thought till now. Meanwhile, Alison's having no luck. We left her looking for clues about where Mark could be on Ask Jeeves. But she's got a new idea. She remembers some key dates in Mark's life and thinks maybe they could help. Number five, the archives. She knows when his grandma died and the date his dad was killed by a drunk driver. It's enough information to check out his story. I remember walking down... Rosebury Avenue towards Exmouth Market and going to the, the Family Records Centre. And it's like a library and there's these huge folio-sized books that you, you, know, you go through all these long lists of dates of names. The first thing she looks for is a record of Mark's father. He told her his dad was killed when he was eight and so she scans the deaths in November 1975. And it wasn't there, and I looked all the way down and it wasn't there. And then I asked somebody, could it be somewhere else? Could I be looking in the wrong place? Uh, and I was looking for Cassidy. She's hit a dead end. 
But the person at the records office has an idea. They say there could have been an inquest, and so Alison searches those files too. So it was like this moment of hope. OK, OK. And of course it wasn't there. So next, she looks for his grandma's death certificate. But she can't find that either. So I left there very upset and went for a, a coffee in a nearby cafe, crying. And suddenly, at that point, thought, OK, no, this is... There's something in this. He's definitely told me a load of lies and he was involved in a lot of different political groups, so there's something about this that is all a bit fishy. And then I became, you know, not very well and obsessed with uncovering more and more. She contacts a private detective and asks him to look into Mark. And this detective got back to me and said that Mark Cassidy is a false identity. Somebody just drops out of your life and you've got absolutely no trace for them. It didn't make any sense at all that he disappeared off the face of the earth. But where can she go from there? Cast your mind back to before Mark vanished. Alison found a bank card with a different name on it. She wrote the name on a piece of paper and put it in her dressing table. She goes to find it, but it's not there. Then you kind of think, oh, OK, that it's gone. Of course it's gone. Everything's gone. Every trace of him has gone. Of course that's gone. Did I ever write it down, even? What was the name? Was it Jenna? Was it Jennings? Was it Jenkins? Alison tries searching for a Mark Jenner, Jenkins, Jennings, but she doesn't get very far. If she'd continued down that path, she might have got to the truth much more quickly. But you can't blame her. Mark scrubbed every trace of himself out of existence. So Alison, she's hit a wall. And Rosa, well, she's on her way back from South Africa. Their searches are by no means over. OK, so I've started Audacity recording again. But we're going to join someone else for a bit. Lisa. See, so that's just, yeah, that's just me recording and talking. Think back, if you can, to the very start of episode one. We're going to pick things up again on that holiday in Italy that Lisa's having with her boyfriend Mark, the climber with the flashy shades. And she's found a passport with a name on it that she doesn't recognise. It said Mark Kennedy, and I'd never heard that name. I'd not heard the name Kennedy at all. You know, that was just jaw-dropping. In the year before this holiday, Mark's been acting out of character. Along with his friends, he was arrested and then released over Ratcliffe on Saw, you know, the power station protest. Then he became really depressed. He went to America to clear his head, and now he's back with Lisa, and they're happier than ever. But then she finds this passport and emails from two children calling him dad. But it doesn't make sense. Mark doesn't have any children. She's racked with anxiety, but Lisa doesn't want to spoil the holiday. They've been having such a good time. And the next day, it's Mark's birthday. And we just do this amazing climb and we're on the top of the mountain and I've just got such a gorgeous picture of us both looking so happy with a bottle of whiskey in hand. And she summons up the courage to confront him, to ask what's going on. 
And he just went ashen-faced and just said, I can tell you, but not here. And I guess he was probably buying time. But we packed up, we finished our drink, we kind of went out, back out to the van. And he gathered himself, he says, I can tell you, I can tell you, but I just, I just, I just need a minute. When people are cornered and about to be found out, they either decide it's time to tell the truth or they dig themselves a bigger hole. For the first time, Mark says he's ready to tell Lisa the full story about his dodgy past. He wants to come clean about what really happened. So here goes. Mark was once a drug smuggler. He was like, okay, there was a time when I used to transport a lot of cocaine in the back of a van, packed inside lots of pottery. I used to drive across various borders and I used to work with... So to help him get the pots of cocaine across borders, he had piles of fake documents. And that's where the passport for Mark Kennedy came from. It sounds like something out of Breaking Bad. They'd got into trouble with another rival gang. And on and on it goes, one shocking twist after another. And one time it happened and his friend had got shot. Mark, the protagonist of his own wild tale. To talk their way out of it. And his friend had been shot in front of him. And then he'd ended up taking on his friend's kids. So years later, these two kids They call Mark dad, but they're not actually his kids. Oh no, and he hasn't seen them for so long that he didn't think to mention it to Lisa until now. Relieved of the burden of all these secrets, Mark cries. He cried in my arms that whole night, telling me the story, and I really felt like I was finally getting the truth behind his slightly mysterious past. And now I've had it explained and I remember feeling like we're closer than ever now. Lisa really loves Mark and she desperately wants to believe him. And when you want it that much, you can believe anything. At the time, I just think I was desperate to cling on to something and I was desperate to believe that everything was going to be okay. But the thing is, none of it's true. It's a last-ditch attempt for Mark to cover up the secrets that Lisa's about to expose. The mind can play tricks on you when you love someone, especially when they're someone who's skilled at lying, who's dedicated a huge amount of their time to manipulating you. Lisa tells Mark she believes him, and she means it. But there's still a part of her that thinks... Maybe he isn't telling me everything. She's got a nagging doubt that something's not quite right. One day, she's at her friend Merrick's house and he happens to be doing some research on Ancestry.com. That's interesting, she thinks. It's quite the coincidence. And I was asking, so can you just, can you look up anybody's details on this? Can you find anyone's birth certificate? And he was just, oh, yeah, yeah, you can, so... He's like, who would you like me to look up? I said, oh, could you look up Mark Stone? I remember him looking at me a bit funny. He was just, really? Okay. Um, And then we looked and there wasn't one. That's weird. So they put his birthday in too. And it just wasn't coming up with anything. And so he was like, "Mm, I think you have to tell me what's going on now. Lisa crumbles and tells him everything. 
I just ended up spilling everything out to him and telling him the details. How she found Mark's passport and the crazy story he told her afterwards. Merrick says he'll help investigate. His date of birth. So they start digging. It isn't a quick process. They have to ask Ancestry to find documents and wait for them to come back. But in the following days, they look up Mark and the kids and his other family members too. And don't forget, all this while, Lisa's still going out with Mark. I think I had a glimpse in this time of what it must have been like to be him and to live a double life. And there was the person who was very calmly, very rationally looking into his identity, looking at the information, finding out the facts. And then there was this other person who was continuing a relationship with Mark as if nothing had happened. Three weeks pass while she's hunting for the truth. And as the evidence builds, she can't help but fear what she's going to find. Were you hoping that your research might play out with a different conclusion? Yes. I mean, I was desperately hoping that we would find out that it was just something as innocent as that he had a wife and kids somewhere that he hadn't told me about. She's that concerned she even thinks a second family would be innocent. But in fact, she's right. That would have been a much smaller lie. Then she finds a key document, the truth about who Mark Stone really is. A birth certificate did come up, um, and it came up for a Mark Kennedy. This Mark Kennedy even has the same birthday as her boyfriend, Mark Stone. That passport she found, it was real. And we did some more digging, and eventually we got hold of the birth certificates for the two children. And she can't believe it. The two kids Mark's been looking after, the ones he kept secret, well, these documents say he's their real father. And there's more. Their mother, it says she's married to Mark, at least a decade ago, when the youngest was born. So then it just became a matter of building up all the evidence. And there was a moment where it became overwhelming. Armed with a pile of birth certificates for Mark Kennedy, his two children and his brother, Lisa's able to track down another document. This one's his marriage certificate. And the information it contains stuns her. Mark's still married. And there's one other thing. It said on his marriage certificate, occupation police officer. Next time on Bed of Lies. It's like a horror film where you're sort of, you know, it's going to be really gory. You know, you're sort of hiding behind your hand, but you're still looking through your fingers. You can't quite tear yourself away. Bed of Lies is written by me, Cara McGugan, and produced by Sarah Peters at Tuning Fork Productions. The executive producer is Theodora Leloudis and sound designs by Peregrine Andrews. To stay on top of who's who in our story, to see exclusive pictures of the men involved and to look inside my reporter's notebook, go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash bed of lies.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 